Good morning, church. So good to be here with you. Acid is always good to be here with you. One of the, the, my favorite stories uh, when I get into the Bible is the story of creation. I mean, God, God steps onto the scene and he, he creates order out of what is chaos. He, he creates something out of nothing. He snaps his fingers and, and, and like galaxies are born. I mean, it's this, it's this glorious thing. I mean, I think like there was nothing and then there was dirt and air and mountains and people and vegetation and animals. I mean, there was, there was all kinds of things going on. God was ordering the world. I mean, we think about science for a moment and we think like there are scientific discoveries we've made over the course of, of, of human history. Uh, we think uh, of the very fact that we are standing and not floating uh, and we know that there are laws in the universe which God set in place. And, and it is just extraordinary. It's one of those rabbit holes that once we begin to go down, we're like, wow, God did a really, really good job ordering up the universe. And as I was looking through uh, this whole idea of living wisely and growing spiritually, I came across this, this proverb that really begins to say that that the wisdom of God that was ordering the universe from the very beginning can live in your private world. That, that, that the same kind of, of function that God was performing when He performed it at creation, creating all the sustaining orders of the universe, taking... Uh, chaos and making it order, taking junk and making it uh, something glorious, that that's available, that that's available for you and me, that our lives actually might be transformed. And we can have the same wisdom that God had at the beginning. Look with me, would you please, at Proverbs chapter 3. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, if you open up your pew Bibles, it's going to be around page 439, 440. The same wisdom that was present with God in the very beginning can be yours. You can live with it in your living room. Look at verse 28. Don't say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Don't plot harm against your neighbor who lives trust, trustfully near you. Don't accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. Don't envy the violent or choose any of their ways. I hate it when I choose the wrong verse. It is. All those things are true. It's not 28 and 29. It's 18 and 19. 
Way to go, Mike. Talking about wisdom, she's a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, He set the heavens in place. By His knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. Uh, The very thing uh, that was with God in the very beginning at creation is available to you in the kind of wisdom that God wants to offer You see, when we will live according to the wisdom of God, when we will uh, uh, welcome it and when we will apply the wisdom of the Lord, transformation is the result. When we will say of the Lord, I desire to fear the Lord. If we will say of our life, I fear the Lord, I long for Him, my desire and my will uh, want to, to live in obedience to His instruction, it will provoke a life that is transforming. You see, we've been in this series now for several weeks, we've called it Good Sense, in which uh, we have gone through, uh, in many ways, key themes throughout the Proverbs. Proverbs is all about wisdom, and it really has at its core uh, this desire that you and I uh, would live according to the, the wisdom of the Lord, that we would listen and obey to the instruction of God, and as a result, our lives would be more mature tomorrow than they were yesterday, that we would grow spiritually, uh, that we'd become a, a little more like God and His design for us uh, because we're living uh, according to His wisdom. And this morning we explored this idea of, of the kind of transforming wisdom that God used to order the creation of the universe uh, being applied in our life. How does that happen? How is it that I have that in my toolbox? How is it that I hold that in my hands? How is it that that is able to show up uh, in the middle of my week when I'm with my children and I'm about to to, uh, pull my hair out? How does that apply? How does that show up when I'm in the middle of my work week and that colleague who, who consistently is annoying to me is being annoying to me? How does it show up in an area of conflict, in an interpersonal relationship, when I really just want to blast someone? And what we find is that God gives us the tools to be able to seek His wisdom, to desire it. This morning, we find the place where transformation begins. This morning, we... we we will look and we will see the source, the originating spot for where transformation has to start. And then, we'll re- then we will see the kind of habits that we need to have in order for that kind of wisdom to really order our life. Not only will we find the place where we have to reset, uh, we'll find the routine that we need to get into uh, so that we can live that way. The first thing that that perhaps all of Proverbs will tell us over and over and over again is that the spot where it all starts, the place where it all begins, 
the originating area where transformation really has to begin is, is the heart. Over and over again, it's the heart in Proverbs. If you go to Proverbs chapter 2, everybody just say heart. Can you say that like with heart? Okay, let's try it again. Ready? Heart. All right. Because when we get to the word heart, I just want you to say it loudly. Because I want you to understand that the, 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 the spot where this really gets started is, is, is not somewhere else. It really has to be in the heart. Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and, imply, uh, and applying your heart to understanding... It really has to be in the heart. Look down in verse 10. For wisdom will enter your and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Look over in chapter 3. We'll keep going. My son, don't forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness let never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your Heart, in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all of your, and lean not on your own understanding, in all of your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. Look over in chapter 4, if you see verse 20, uh, my son, pay attention to what I say, turn your ears to my words, don't let them out of your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are the life to those who find them, and health to One's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. In chapter 6, as he, as he outlines a way for, uh, for people to, to avoid the kinds of temptations that would be obvious and easy for them to fall into, he says, My son, keep your father's command, and don't forsake your mother's teaching in 6.20. Bind them always on your heart and fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. You awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp, this light is a, this teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are the way to life, keeping you from the neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of a wayward woman. This transformation that we so desire, all of us might leave the room if we had a private conversation. Uh, we might all say, oh Lord, please change me. But it doesn't change uh, simply because we decided one day that, uh, that we were going to maybe open up the Bible and begin to read it or go to church that day. You see, it really begins, this whole transformation journey begins as we are honest with God and say, God, I know that I have all of this stuff externally that needs to change. My behavior has to be different. My actions have to be different. But, but Lord, I need you to help change my heart. You see, the Hebrew understanding of the heart is that the heart is the epicenter of your life. 
all of the gifts and abilities, your intellectual capacity, how you respond in different situations. In the Hebrew mind, it didn't come from your brain. It came from your heart. And so uh, when the, the Hebrews are talking and the Proverbs talks about the heart, it's saying, hey, there's an epicenter to your life. It's the motherboard. It's the control room. It's the steering wheel. And if you don't guard it, if you're not aware of it, if it doesn't change, then you don't. And so the wisdom of the Proverbs is saying, hey, if you want transformation, so help me, Lord, I need to change. If that's the prayer that you're praying, if you're saying, I want to live a transformed life, then it can't start anywhere else. It has to start right here. You see, that was Israel's problem. If you read throughout the scriptures, the, uh, the original audience to the Proverbs was, were the Jews. It was Israel and Judah, and, and God was trying to give them the kind of wisdom that he's trying to give us. He was trying to transform them by saying, hey, uh, you have to allow your heart to be different. It never starts with the externals. If you look over the course of history for Israel, uh, they were masters at the external. You see, God had given them this 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 very intimate symbol to say, hey, you're on my team. I have this covenant. I want this relationship with all of my people, but, but I want it to hurt a little bit. I, I want you to give something uh, so intimate that, that you cannot walk away and not notice. And so he says the, the sign for the relationship between God and his people would be the sign of circumcision. And yet the people thought, well, hey, I'll, we can just do the circumcision as a physical act, and then we're in. And the people had missed it. Even in the second reading of the law in Deuteronomy chapter 30, as they're about to go into the promised land, God says, um, I'm going to circumcise your hearts it says in verse 6, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all of your heart and with all of your soul and live. You see, he's saying, hey, I need the control center. I need the motherboard. And if you desire transformation, if you desire change, then this has got to happen from the heart. The prophets uh, throughout the scriptures uh, send a similar message. When people were trying to live according to the external rules instead of an internal transformation that comes from the Lord, uh, they said, hey, wait a minute, uh, you're uncircumcised in heart. If you want, you can turn over to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah really is trying to send a warning to God's people. He's trying to get them to understand their need to repent, to give their heart to God. And he says in uh, verse 25 and 26, The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will punish all of the circumcised only in the flesh. Egypt, Judah, Edom, Ammon, Moab, and all who live in the wilderness and distant lands. For all these nations are really uncircumcised, and even the whole house of Israel is uncircumcised in their heart. 
Now, you and I look at that and go, oh, that's bad for them. But what God was saying is he, he, he was trying to get them to see. He was trying to get them to understand. So you're, you never gave me your control room. You haven't ever given me your motherboard. Your internal processing, your epicenter has never been mine. And you're no better than the pagan nations that you say that you're better than. In Ezekiel chapter 36, still talking about the heart. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, he says, hey, when repentance happens, I want you to know what happens to your heart. He says in verse 36, then the nations around you that remain... uh, 26, not 36, I'm sorry. 30, chapter 36, verse 26. All these numbers, I tell you. I will give you a new heart, he says, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you, from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You see, he's saying, if you want transformation, if you desire to have a life that's different tomorrow than it was today, if you desire that there would be maturity as a part of your life, then there has to be transformation. And that transformation really begins in the heart. You see, the issues are never what we think they are. The issues of sin and rebellion don't ever begin on the external side. They begin in the heart. They begin in the heart. So maybe you're sitting there thinking, oh man, I have this, I have this terrible temptation for lust. I, I, I seem to, to can't control myself. I have a lack of self-control when it comes to to looking or, or thinking things I shouldn't think or see. Can I suggest to you that the problem doesn't originate with your eyes? It doesn't even originate with the thoughts in your mind. It, it originates with what God says is your heart. What's your control room? You see, you could, you could, you could, as Jesus says, gouge out an eye. But the problem is far deeper. You could go blind, and yet you could still, in what some call your mind's eye, lust after that which is not yours. And that's a heart issue. Maybe, maybe you're like me. For years, I thought I didn't have a temper. I don't have a temper. I probably fought it my entire life. And it was someone who loved me enough to say, no, no, no. 
Let me tell you, Mr. Cahill, you have a temper. Maybe, maybe for you, it's so easy to lose control of your emotions. It's easy for us to say on a day-to-day basis, well, I didn't yell at anybody. I didn't, I didn't get red in the face. Okay. But is your heart any different? Were you thinking hatred even if you didn't act on it? You see, if we're going to be transformed, we have to find the location where the transformation needs to start. And it doesn't start in our behavior. It starts in our heart. It starts with our desire and welcome to apply the wisdom and instruction of the Lord. Where we say, okay, all right. God, you get the center of all that I am. And I will seek your instruction and long to obey. So, how do I work my heart? (laughs) How do I begin to say to my heart, okay, uh, change my heart, Lord, that I might be transformed? How, how, How does that work exactly? What does it look like to have a good heart? I mean, if it's not just in the externals of our everyday world, then then what is it exactly? We all know that there has to be fruit. There has to be some identifying markers of who we are that that shows up in our behavior. But if it starts in my heart, then how do I do that exactly? And the message from, from Proverbs is that the one who desires wisdom from the Lord is the one who has a full life. Uh, Look with me, would you, uh, in Proverbs chapter 8. Look with me in verse 30. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, delighted in mankind. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction. Be wise and do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor the Lord. You desire to have a transformed heart, then it needs to begin uh, with the sort of faith that's willing to hear and apply the instruction of the Lord. I think sometimes we get this weird idea of God. Like he's, he's like, he's like a cosmic Barney Fife. For those of you that didn't catch that reference, just ask your mom or dad. They'll they'll get it. You see, Barney always seemed to want to use his bullet, right? He always had a gun. And it it was kind of this comic routine throughout the show. 
He just couldn't wait to use it. And every time it seemed like he had the opportunity, he would kind of fumble around with his pistol and try and put the bullets in. And I wonder sometimes if that's how we view God, like God's just waiting uh, to take out a six-shooter and mow us down. I can't wait to shoot him. Can't wait to find him doing something wrong so I can uh, step on him. But that's not true. You see, the truth of Scripture is that God longs for his people to be transformed and to bless them. He longs for you to have full life, to have vital life, to, to, to bless you as fully as possible according to his design for you. And the proverb in chapter 8 just says, those who desire that kind of full life will live according to the wisdom and the instruction of the Lord. And it's wisdom and instruction of the Lord brought about through meditation in His Word. How is it that I find out who God is and how He can change my heart? I, I do it by pouring over again and again. I take the time uh, to understand His Word. We call it the Bible. It's, 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 it's His authority. It's His revelation. Uh, he is uncovering who He is so that we can know Him and be transformed and have that full life. You want to have your life ordered differently. You want the, the, the power that God had at creation available to you as you use a moral imagination in your life and the situations that dictate where you live. Get into the Word. Pour through the Scriptures. Look at the Bible. I've had the opportunity a couple times to try and learn a new language. Maybe some of you took a Spanish class in high school or a German class or a French class. When I got to Bible college, they made us learn things like Greek and Hebrew. Can I tell you that learning a language is hard? Can you agree with that? Make me feel better. Would you shake your heads, please? Language is hard. I remember, I remember in every one of those languages that I, I had an encounter with, I was like, wow, this is like a whole other language. I mean... The phrase, it was all Greek to me, came in very handy. I mean, and, and there's a point, right, where, where you have to commit yourself fully to knowing the language or you're never going to get it. I mean, you spend time with it and you, you'll go through like vocab cards or, or some things. Okay, I, I need to know what these words mean. Maybe you need to, to figure out like the grammar and, and oh, uh, this is how the prefix works for that word and, and all that. But the thing that sometimes I struggled with, with language, 
was sometimes I prepared myself for the test more than to speak the language. I lived in the external of the test without ever really trying to internalize how to speak the language. I'd want to get the grammar right so that I could get it right on the test. I don't want to study for the, 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 those vocab words so that I could get it right on the test. And then promptly forget everything that I had ever learned. But that's not really why we study all that stuff, is it? If you go after a language, the goal is never so that you just know all the rules. The goal is not just so that you can, can have a bunch of vocab running through your mind. The goal is so that you can fluently speak. Why didn't Christian church, the goal of your time in the Word and your meditation of what God is doing in this book is never so that you can just memorize it. It's never just so that you can uh, stand up here and, and flip in order uh, to whatever book that you need. It's never so that you can just impress people uh, with how much knowledge you have. No. It's so that you can become fluent in what God is saying to you. It's so that the fluency of your life will begin to reflect the wisdom and instruction that He has for you that is transforming you in all those daily life activities. Anybody remember My Fair Lady? It's an old movie. Nowadays, we don't have movies like My Fair Lady. It's something of a musical but the plot line for this entire movie is that there is this woman. She's not a very attractive woman. She's not a particularly well-spoken woman. She's a common woman who can't speak well at all. And so there is this man who's a specialist in speech and etiquette. And the challenge is kind of put before him to see if he can turn this common woman into a very uncommon woman. If he can turn her speech into something glorious. If you remember the movie, the scenes kind of play out over and over again, and she has to repeat a phrase over and over and over and over again. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. And he has her do it in a variety of different tones. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. What do you think about that? But the goal, the heartbeat, is never so that she can show up at an event 
It's never so that she can come to dinner with all the dignitaries in the town and say, why, yes, the rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. No, that was never the goal. The goal is to transform her speech so that when that opportunity arises, she has it at her disposal. She knows exactly how to speak. How is it that we transform our hearts? How is it that we allow God the epicenter of who we are? We meditate on his word and say, Lord, would you give me instruction? And the goal the heartbeat is that he would have us. And when those times come in my life, when I'm faced with moral uh, situation, I would already know how to respond because I have it. Now, some of you are saying, oh, but how do I get there? How do I get into this word? How do I process meditation of God's word? Well, there are a few things over the years, over the centuries that people have done to, to get themselves into the word. Can I share a couple with you? Soap. Can you remember soap? Uh, some of you know this. It's an acronym. SOAP. S-O-A-P. Scripture. Observation, application, and prayer. It begins with Scripture. You just uh, open up, you, you choose a piece of Scripture, and you read it. You meditate on it. You try and find God's instruction. And then you observe it. You ask questions of the text. What is he doing? What, what kind of context is this in? Are there a significant words that I ought to be paying attention to? Are there words that are repeated? Are there phrases that I need to know more about? And then you begin to apply. You, you look into the text and you, you ask the Lord, what action do I need to take? What changes uh, need to be applied to my life because I am reading this. And then you, you pray back uh, those pieces of Scripture to Him. Okay, uh, God, uh, what I begin to understand as I work through Proverbs is that you want me to be wise, uh, that that's available to me, but I'm going to have to change my heart. Will you help me do that? Soap. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Now, maybe that doesn't work for you. Maybe that's too confusing. Uh, there's an ancient way that people used to meditate on Scripture. Uh, they call it, uh, in some churches, Lectio Divine. That's Latin. It means divine reading. And really, it's kind of a contemplative way uh, to choose a scripture, you pray, asking God that he would lead you to the Bible, lead you into scripture. Uh, you wait until you, you sense like God is doing something and you're led to scripture. And then as you read it, you, you, you are quiet and calm. You read it, you pray about it, you read it again. You walk through it, you pray some more. 
There's one by a professor that I recently read about that I kind of like. I, I know many of you, like me, we're busy, aren't we? Some of you are like, well, let's see, uh, my day starts at 5, I get home at about 8, I try and eat dinner, I'm exhausted, I try and say hi to the kids. What should I do? Well, maybe in your busy life you can take those 3 by 5 note cards and write a couple verses on them. And maybe over the course of three weeks, those verses don't change. And you hang them in places where you're going to see them all day long. Maybe it's in your car. Maybe it's on your mirror. Maybe it's in your cab or your pickup if you happen to drive a lot. Maybe it's in your cubicle, wherever it is that you happen to be. And you're going to see it. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Lord, Lord is with me. And you're going to be seeing these different things. And you begin to read them. And then maybe after a week or so, you begin to jot down thoughts. You journal and you have a reflection time with God and say, okay, this is how God is changing me by the fact that these verses are here. I want to share with you a couple of stories that this particular professor had shared when students went about doing this. He said, one student chose Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. For her meditation, she wrote, I have a nasty habit of grumbling and complaining as I am planning to get married in a few months. I want to improve my attitude. My boyfriend's roommate really annoys me, and I have trouble not grumbling and complaining about him. Often, just as I was getting ready to say something negative about him, the words of the verse would come into my mind, and I would continue with the verse rather than the complaint that I was about to voice. I was amazed and encouraged to see how much better my attitude was because I was meditating on that verse. Another student Use a different verse, Psalm 104, 33 and 34. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to Him. As she wrote her reflection, meditating on the verse caused me regularly to think about singing to the Lord and dwelling on what pleases Him. This particular project made me more conscious of the music I was singing. I had to turn a few things off on the radio because they were focused on things that weren't pleasing to God. Seeing the card in the car changed the way I drove. Maybe all of us need that. I'm not going to tell everyone to have this verse in the car so that they'll think about God and drive nicer, but it worked for me. When my roommate saw, when my, when my roommate saw this all over our apartment, she writes, they laughed, but then at the end of three weeks, they told me that they were amazed at how the verse made them conscious about the thoughts they were thinking. It made us want to focus on the Lord more. You see, at the end of the day, if you desire to have a transformed life, then you must welcome the wisdom of the Lord and apply His instruction to your life. And then, then, you will have at your disposal the ordered wisdom of the Lord in your living room. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for who you are and all that you do. And I pray, Lord, that uh, despite my failings, Lord, that your word comes through clearly into the lives of people. 
Lord, may you constantly and continually prompt us to hand our hearts over to you and meditate on your word so that we will know who you are and what you're doing and that our lives will be markedly different. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We thank you in Jesus' name.